Welcome to the City Hills Church Podcast. We exist so that people far from God will find hope and life in Christ. My name is Brandon and I serve as the lead pastor here at City Hills. The message you're about to hear is part four from a message series called I Want a New Marriage. They say when you're dating, opposites attract. But when you get married, opposites attack. If we are going to have relationships that last, then we are going to have to learn how to fight right. You see, healthy relationships are not always easy, but they are always worth fighting for. Hope you enjoy the message today. Well, this series we've been looking at, um, the Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon is a 3,000-year-old book of the Bible written by, drumroll please, Solomon. I know you probably didn't think that, but it's written by Solomon, just joking. But it was, he wrote it about the love affair that he had between him and his wife. And we don't know her name, but he calls her the Shulamite. And I'm going to tell you more about that, what that means today. I've been looking forward to that. But I'm going to tell you a little bit deeper about what that means uh, to Solomon. But the first week, we looked at the right way that we should be attracted to one another. We looked at how our culture kind of gets attraction wrong. We're attracted to the wrong things. And as we get married and as we're together in our relationships, we kind of stop being attractive. We think, well, I got him. I got her. I go, why do I have to do anything else? Like, it's done. No, it just, it's just beginning, right? So we got to make sure that we're attractive in the right way, spiritually, emotionally, then physically. So week two, we talked about their dating relationship or their courtship and how they were, you know, together. And it was, it was something different, very different than our culture. It wasn't so much just their own decision, but there were other people involved. It was a... A great, great message just in, in the Word, just about what it, what, have, how to have a relationship um, that, that's, that's right and that's healthy. Uh, last week, I shared a message that I believe needs to be in the church. We talked about great sex and how to, have, how to do things God's way. I believe it's a message that needs to be in the church, not just in the locker room. I think it's a message that our culture needs to hear because culture tries to define our sexuality, but God's word is very clear that God invented it. And we, when we follow God's plan, it's, it's the best way. So we looked at that. We looked at their honeymoon night. Next week is going to be incredibly practical because we're going to look at the end of the book. We're going to conclude the series, and we're going to look at some practical ways that we can have a love that lasts a lifetime. What I've discovered is that falling in love takes a pulse. Like anybody can fall in love, right? But staying in love takes a plan. <laughs> Falling in love takes a pulse, but staying in love takes a plan. And I want to help you look at what their plan was and what the plan of the Word of God is to be able to have a love that lasts. But this week, I'm excited to be able to talk to you from chapters 5 and 6 because this is the couple's first recorded fight like the previous chapters were two chapters of honeymoon and then the next two chapters five and six are two chapters of a fight that we see in the scripture I wanted to call this message I even put it in a I wanted to call this message let's get ready to rumble <laughs> because if you're in a relationship you're gonna have some conflict along the way 
If you're, in a, if you're married, then you're going to have some fights along the way. If you're, if you're with someone, you're going to have some conflict. If you're dating, you may not have any conflict. You may think, oh, they're perfect. Oh, he's perfect. Oh, where do you want to go eat? Oh, I don't care. Where do you want to go eat? Where do you, I'll go wherever you want to go. How, where, what do you want to do? Oh, I'll do whatever you want to do. And then you get married. You're like, we're going to this place at this time, and I don't care if you want to go or not. And everything changes, doesn't it? What happens we get married and we start fighting. We realize that, oh, the person we thought was perfect was not perfect. And uh, we, we, we have some fights along the way. You cannot make the goal of your relationships to have no conflict. Because it's impossible to have just no conflict at all. I want to encourage somebody. Maybe you're in a tough spot in, a, in your relationship. Specifically, say you're married. You're in a tough spot in your marriage relationship. I want to tell you, there's, it's... it's, it's it's not over just because you're at a difficult spot. It's not over just because you're fighting, just because you're having some tension in some areas of your life. I would dare say that I think we're going to see in the scripture that those moments when we have disagreement, those moments of conflict, if given to God and done the right way, can actually deepen our relationship instead of push us away. So don't let Satan lie to you and tell you that, oh, you just better get rid of it. It's all over. It's never going to be what it once was. I want to say it can actually be better. Like it can actually be better because that's the way it works. Our goal should not be to not have any fights. Our goal needs to be learn how to fight right, to, to fight fair along the way. I heard of a couple, Boudreaux and Marie, they had been married 50 years and they had never had one fight. Never one fight in 50 whole years. It was an amazing feat. And once they were asked how they had achieved such a feat and Boudreaux said, well, on our wedding day we were taking a horse-drawn carriage from the church, and the horse that was pulling us was stubborn. And he would go a little bit, and then he would stop. And Marie got off of the chariot. Marie stepped off of the chariot, looked the horse in the eye, and said, that's one. And she got back on the carriage, and, you know, yeah, and they go forward. And a little bit more, the horse started being stubborn again, the horse stopped right in the middle of the road and she got out of the carriage, looked the horse right in the eye and said, that's two. So he's thinking, who in the world, like what in the world is happening? She gets back in the carriage. They go forward again on the horse and, and buggy and, and, uh, and, and the horse stops again for the third time and she gets out of the carriage, gets a gun out of her purse and just shoots the horse dead right there. And he says, honey, what, what in the world are you doing? We just got married. This is a horse and carriage. It was bought for us. Why in the world? Are you, are you crazy? What are you thinking? And she looked at him eye to eye and said, baby, that's one. <laughs> he learned never to fight again, right? He didn't want to get to three. He was bad at three. <laughs> so he just stopped. That's not what you should do, right? Okay, I'm going to teach you. What, they, what happened in the scripture. Song of Solomon, chapter 5 and verse 2. This passage of scripture is so, so interesting to me because it is 3,000 years old, but it is so applicable to us today. Uh, the scripture says, I slept. This is her speaking. She says, I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my lover is knocking. Here's what he says. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew and my hair 
with the dampness of the night. What is he saying? He essentially is coming home late. We don't know why. Maybe he's had a long day at work. Maybe he's been at the office. Maybe he's been playing softball with his friends. Maybe he just got done watching a game somewhere. And he comes home late. He comes home and he's tired. He's wore out. But he is talking very sweet. He's doing some sweet talk, if you will. If you notice, he's talking like he talked in the honeymoon. He's, he's coming in late. She's asleep in the bed. And he says, my dove, my flawless one, would you open the doors to me? What does he want? He's wanting some loving. Like he is wanting this lady, his wife, his newlywed wife. He's calling her pet names because he wants some loving. Like, he's saying, baby, I've been, I had a hard day. Would you, I want to come into your room. I want us to be together. And look what she says. She says this, I have taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I have washed my feet. Must I soil them again? That's Hebrew translation for, I have a headache. Leave me alone. <laughs> He said, oh, I'm tired, I'm weary, we're married. This is supposed to just happen every single time. The way that I, I had an expectation of what our wedding was supposed to be. I had an expectation of what this physical relationship was supposed to be. And she says, oh, no, no, no. It's not like that because I've already got, I've already, I've already uh, got taken my robe off. I ain't putting it on again. I've already washed my feet. I'm not going to mess with that. She says, I don't want any of that I got a headache leave me alone and they got a fight going on isn't this relationships isn't this how marriage works isn't this how our relationships work that we think we marry perfect people I, uh, but, but we realize that they're not perfect we realize that they're not that they're not as perfect as we thought that they were watch what goes on in the scripture she says my lover thrust his hand through the latch opening I studied this and this is, could kind of either be a positive or a negative thing. In a negative way, this could be saying that he kind of forced him his hand through the door. He was angry, and he kind of hit her door or said, you know, if that's how it's going to be, then he just kind of storms. Or, or it could be a, an act of tenderness and kindness and just showing his hand. But either way, the scripture goes on to say, she says, my heart began to pound for him. In other words, she changed her mind. And he, she says, I rose to open for my lover and my hands drip with myrrh, my fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the lock. She's just saying, I, I, I'm ready to cave in. I, it's okay. I made a mistake. And she says, I opened for my lover, but my lover had left. He was gone. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but I did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. So it didn't work out. She said, leave me alone. He said, okay, and runs away. She changes her mind, and she said, okay, it's going to be okay, and he's already gone, and man, they're just fighting. They're just in a quarrel. They're, they're, they're dealing with something new in their relationship. I want to show you some phases of relationships that we have. This is in your notes. The first phase of a relationship, and this, is, this can be a marriage relationship. This could be a work relationship that you have, but the first phase is the honeymoon phase. I got to doing some study about the word honeymoon, and it literally means, moon means month, honey means sweet, it literally means sweet month. Like, 
it's not going to last very long. I thought I married someone so awesome. I thought I married Beyonce, but I ended up marrying Saddam Hussein. I thought I married Beauty, but she ended up being the beast. It didn't last very long. It was, it was a sweet month that we had, but it was just the honeymoon phase of the relationship. We all have been there. We have the honeymoon phase where they're perfect. They can do no wrong. The second phase is disillusionment. This is where we realize, man, they're not perfect. They have issues just like I have issues. They have problems just like everybody else has problems. I, I didn't marry the only perfect person on earth. I found out some things that you didn't tell me when we were dating. And most relationships do not survive this second phase. Because we believe a second lie, and that lie is this, that we believe that there is another perfect person out there somewhere. We think, well, I just married the wrong person. I'm just with the wrong person. They got issues. They got problems. They don't squeeze the toothpaste right. They put the toilet paper on the opposite side. They don't clean up their socks on the floor. Like They don't do everything like I thought they were going to do it. I must have married the wrong person. I, I've absolutely just, just done the wrong, wrong thing. But I want to tell you, it's a lie. Because the third phase of relationships is really what love is all about. Because the third phase is commitment. Commitment. The third phase says, we're going to stay together no matter what. Third phase says, I realize and understand you're not perfect. And you know what? I'm not perfect either. And we're all working through things together. And I'm going to make a commitment to you before the fight, I'm committing to you that we are going to stay in this relationship. It's been said that Henry Ford, when celebrating 50 years of marriage, he was asked, Henry, what is the, what is the secret to your success in marriage? And he said, the secret of a successful marriage is the same secret that I've had in business. I stick to the same model. He said, I made a commitment that I'm sticking to the same model. A love, love relationship. Love is choosing to make a commitment to an, Im, to an imperfect person. It is choosing to make an undying commitment to an imperfect person. That's what love is really all about. So I want to challenge you to make some decisions. Maybe you're in a fight right now and this will help you. But I want to challenge you most of all to make some decisions before you get in a fight. Make some decisions before you're at this place in your relationship. Maybe you're not even married yet. This would be great to start applying some of what the scripture is teaching us to every aspect of life. Let today be brand new and fresh. Don't bring up the past. Don't try to deal with what happened yesterday or two years ago. Or you remember when or at my mama's house or last Christmas or Thanksgiving you remember. Let all of that be gone. You can't unscramble what's scrambled. Just let it be and let's move forward. Let's allow God to move forward in the area of our relationships. So, so what happens? Song of Solomon chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, where has your lover gone? So remember, he's went away. It says, where's your lover gone, most beautiful of women? Which way did your lover turn? So what's happening? It says that he may look for him 
with you. My lover was gone down to his garden. That's what I want to focus on. Gone down to his garden, to the beds of spices, to browse in the gardens and to gather lilies. One thing that Solomon does correctly is that he did not, although he may have got upset, although he didn't understand, although he had a request and it wasn't met, although he had some unmet expectations in his marriage, the Bible says that he did not fight. He did not get in an altercation with her. What he did, he chose to go to a place, to a garden. I find it interesting, to a place of spices. It's not like what I imagine, you know, manly Solomon doing. You know, he's going to a garden, to a place where there's spices. What is he doing? I believe it's a picture of him cooling down. I believe it's a picture he's not going out to party with the guys and to talk about how terrible his wife is. No, he's going to a place and he's not... Act, he's not reacting to her is what the, what the focus is happening. He's acting. He's making an active choice. He's not just reacting to whatever she said and does. And here's the first commitment that I want to challenge you to, that I will act, not react. I will act, not react. React just simply means that, to reenact. So someone, our, our spouse is upset, we're having some problems, they act at us and then we just Go right back at them. We just react. We, we know each other's buttons to push, and we just keep on pushing one another's buttons, and we react, and it gets es- escalated, and we have problems along the way. You, you, you go to bed. You, you're back to back in bed. You're not touching, right? You don't, I ain't going to let her touch me. I ain't gonna, I'm not even going to let a foot. We're not even going to touch feet tonight because I'm going to punish her for because we're in a fight. And I learned that's not punishment to her uh, all, for all of us guys. <laughs> but, but, but we think, I don't wanna, I, we're not going to touch. I don't want to have anything to do with, with you. And we just huff and puff. Anybody ever do that? Who's the, uh, probably one person in your relationships is the huffer. In the relationship, you know, you're just, and one's usually silent and the other one's like, <laughs> that's me in the relationship. I just want to know, let Karen know I'm still alive and I'm mad. So I'm just, <sighs> and she's a silent one. She just, she's not going to breathe. Just quiet. She's not going to give me the, the pleasure to know she's even alive. She's just going just gonna to be silent and I'm huffing and she's silent. And what is this? We're, we're fighting. We're having we're having issues. I heard about a husband and wife that they were giving each other the silent treatment. He wrote her a note because he wasn't talking to her. He wrote her a note said, I got a flight tomorrow. Wake me up at 5. He wakes up the next day. It's like 9 o'clock in the morning. He totally missed his flight. Totally late for his day. He's just all messed up. And he looks to his pillow next to him. It says, a little note there. It says, wake up. It's 5 a.m. <laughs> Romans chapter 12 verse 21 says, don't be overcome with evil. But overcome evil with good. In other words, don't just react every time someone comes at you or every time there's a disagreement. But overcome evil with good. Don't try to change your spouse. Don't try to change everybody at your workplace. Don't try to change everybody around you. Just allow God to change you and love the people in your world. Love the people around you. And allow, watch what God will do. John chapter 13, verse 34, it's in your notes. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. Why don't we say that together? Love one another. One more time. Love one another. And watch what he says. It's so profound. As I have loved you, you must also love one another. That scripture is kind of 
kind of different to me. Like it's been striking me different all week long. Because you would think, this is what makes sense in my mind, that Jesus would say, hey, as I have loved you, I want you to love me. Like, as good and as gracious as I've been to you, my child, I want you to love me back. But Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says, it's so awesome about who our God is. It shows you the character and how he is love and how he cares for us and cares for one another. He says, I want you to heap up all of your love and affection and tenderness and care for me and for what I've done. And then I want you to take it and pass it on to somebody else around you. See, too many times we only love the people that love us in return. We only care for the people that care for us in return. We'll only be kind to our spouse if they're doing something for us in return. But what Jesus says, I want you to take it to a higher level. He said, I got a new commandment for you. Because it's not human. This is, a, this is something that only can be done by the supernatural power of God. God says, I know your spouse is not perfect. I know they make mistakes along the way, but I want you to remember that you're not perfect and you made mistakes along the way, but I, in my grace, gave my one and only son to redeem you so that you could be made brand new and you never deserved it and you never could and you never will. So I want you to take the love that you have toward me and the grace that I've shown toward you and I want you to give it to somebody else that doesn't deserve it. And when you see the imperfections in the people in your life, understand this, that God loves you despite your imperfections and he wants you to love others despite theirs. Because you didn't marry a perfect person. I didn't marry a perfect person. My wife sure didn't marry a perfect person. That we are imperfect people. And the only way this thing's going to work is if we will submit to one another and love one another out of reverence, not for each other, because that can be fading, but out of reverence for God, out of reverence for how big, how great God's been to me, we'll say, I'm going to love you. That's grace. What is the right response? The right response is love and respect. There's a great book on this, simply on that title, Love and Respect. It simply says this, that ladies want love. When you're in a fight, when there's, when there's, a, when there's a disagreement, that there, is a, there, there should be a tenderness and a re- reaffirmation, men, of the love that we have for our spouses, the love that we have for those relationships. And that's exactly what Solomon does. Solomon begins to re- reaffirm that. We're going to look at that in a moment. And men, us, we want respect No matter how much you disagree, if you can respect us, if you can respect your husband, if you can show I don't agree, but I I still honor, I still respect, there is something that there is love and respect is what we're looking for. That's what happens, and that's what she does. She respects him. In chapter 5, we'll, uh, you can look at that on your own. As chapter 5 concludes, she, she speaks to him in terms of respect, and then he speaks to her in terms of love. In verse 4 of chapter 6, it's in your notes, she sa- he says, You are beautiful, my darling. As Tisra, lovely as Jerusalem, majestic troops with banners. Verse 9 says, But my dove, my perfect one. Why don't you look at that again? He says, my perfect one is unique. He calls her perfect. One of the things that I failed to mention last week was was simply this, that true love 
is secure. What he says is that he saw her as being perfect. I love that. I love that. I love that. Because they were in the middle of a fight. And they were not perfect. Like she was not perfect. He was not perfect. But she call, he calls her his perfect one. What was he doing? That he was allowing her to be his standard of what perfection was all about. That, that your spouse and it needs to be the standard of what beauty truly is. We live in a world and culture where it's, it's, it's no, no coincidence. February, it's, it's Valentine's Day season and Sports Illustrated comes out. Why? Because you'll never add up. You know, let's change what the standard of beauty is. No, Solomon says, baby, you are the standard of beauty. I made the choice that there's no body on planet Earth that's more beautiful than my wife to me. Not another person. She is my standard of beauty. Why? Because I've made that choice because it's a commitment of love. It's a commitment of things. Baby, you are perfect to me. That's what he says. And then he says, you are unique. In other words, you're, you're different than me. We're not the same person. We're, we're very different. And what I've learned is that usually opposites attract. Like opposites marry opposites. It's crazy. You won't find the same type person many times marrying the same type person. Why? Because opposites attract, right? My wife and I, in some areas of our life, we could not be more different. Like, we took the personality profile, the DISC profile. I'm an ID, she's an SC. We spell DISC. Like, we're two, we're two sides of the coin. And I'll, I'll, be, I'll be real. I can allow that to either do one of two things. I can allow that to get on my nerves. Or I can allow that to be something that actually completes me. And what I found is that the things about my wife that may annoy me at times is really exactly what I need in my life to complete who I am. That I would not be, I love saying, I would not be a good half pair of scissors without her. I realize that. Like I would not be anything without her. Why? Because God put us together to complete one another. If I'm hot, she's cold. If I want to spend, she wants to save. If I want to discipline the kids, she wants to give grace. If she wants to give grace, I want to discipline. We, 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 we are very, very different, but God put us together because he knew we needed each other. We knew we needed each other. Don't, don't, don't allow those things to, 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 to be something that just brings pain and, and anger. Let it be something that brings thankfulness. I'm so thankful we're different. It says, um, reading on, it says, the only daughter of her mother, the favorite of the one who bore her, the maiden saw her and called her blessed. The queens and concubines praised her. So, so the way that they're dealing with this, other people are seeing this and they're praising them. I find that interesting because I dare say that I'm sure they haven't seen positive examples of, of, of resolving conflict. And they're doing this. They're, 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 they're responding not in anger, but they're responding in kindness. And he's saying, baby, you're perfect. And I know we're going through something, but you're unique. I know you're different. And they're speaking these words and other people are saying, this is, wow, I've never seen anything like Here's the second truth and commitment I want to challenge you to. I will focus on good, not bad. <laughs> I will focus on the good and not the bad. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In other words, in your spouse, in your relationship, if there's anything good about them, think about that and speak to that thing. 
Focus on the good, not the bad, because we all have bad and we all have good. Choose to focus on the good. Heard a story about Billy Graham's wife, Ruth, when she was being interviewed about the time that Billy would spend on the road. She was being interviewed during a time where he had been away from her for 17 solid weeks preaching these evangelistic crusades. And at the time, he was, he was spending seven months of the year away from her. It's kind of a negative. It's a very negative. She was, she was, he was away from her. He was doing his ministry, all these things. And they were asked, well, does that bother you, Ruth? And here's what she said. So interesting to me. She said, five months with Billy are better than 12 months with any other man. Man, that lady understood the power of seeing the good. She didn't focus on the she didn't she didn't she didn't focus on the on the 7 months, she focused on the 5. What would it look like in your relationship if you stopped focusing on the on the on the on the 7 and you started looking at the 5 and being thankful for it? Reading on Solomon Solomon 6 verse 11 says, "I went down to the groves of the nut trees to look at the new growth in the valley. I found it. To look at the new growth in the valley to see the vines that had budded or the pomegranates that were in bloom. I want you to notice that she's, they're talking about blooming. They're talking about the, the fact that they have been through a season together. They've been through a season together. In other words, they've been through a season of difficulty, a season of fighting, but they stayed together. They saw the good in one another. They spoke life to one another. They didn't allow it to just stop and run away. They actually dealt with their issues, and they went through this season together. And then the, it goes on to say, before I realized that my desire set me on the royal chariots of my people. In other words, he put her on a chariot, and they had worked it out. And he says, come back, come back. Oh, Shulamite. This word Shulamite, this is the only descriptive word that we have of her name in this entire song, the Song of Solomon. And Shulamite simply means it's just the feminine version of the word Solomon. It's, it's his name with the with, with feminine, in the feminine tense. What is he saying? Through their fighting, and this is the first time that he calls her that. What is he saying? That through the difficulty, through the fighting, through, the, through, through choosing to do things the right way, that their relationship was on a whole nother level. There was something that came out of it that was beautiful. Shulamite. We're closer than we've ever been before. I want to challenge us to never focus on winning a fight. Just make it a point to never win. In a relationship, you say, I don't even make sense. What you'll discover is if you win, you actually lose. Because the goal is not about fighting to win. The goal is to fight to have a resolution so that you can be together. He says, come back, come back, that we may gaze on you. Why would you gaze on the Shulamite as on the dance of Mahanim? This commentaries about this just simply says that there was a this special dance that they would do and, and it was something that was celebratory. In other words, this fight, this relationship, this positive way of dealing with this actually caused the party to happen in the people around them. Here's what I know. 30, a 30-minute 30 message is not going to fix all of your and my relational problems. It's not going to fix all of our fighting 
all of our difficulties. But here's, here's what I pray that today does. I pray that today just signs a spotlight on our hearts and say, God, how am I dealing with this? Like how am I speaking like, am I seeing the good in other people or am I always pointing out the negative? Am I speaking good things about people around me or am I always speaking about the, 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 the negative things? Am I, am I reacting to everybody around me or am I treating them through with, like Christ would treat them? Am I treating them with eyes of love? And here's the third truth that I want to challenge you to today and we'll be concluding today. That I will talk and not walk. I will talk and I will not walk. I want to challenge someone to throw walking away off of the table. Throw walking away out of uh, just it's not an option. I recently heard someone say that that they had cut two words out of their Webster's Dictionary. First one was impossible because with God, nothing's impossible. I love that. The second one was the word divorce. Because they, by God's grace, we're going to stay together. They're going to make the choice to stay together. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, is 26 and 27 says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Jesus shows us through the Apostle Paul that if we don't deal with our anger, if we just walk and we don't talk about it, if we, we don't deal with it, then it actually gives Satan a foothold. It actually gives Satan a foothold when we don't deal. I want to challenge everybody in this place. Don't go to bed without unresolved conflict Take that scripture to heart and literally do not let the sun go down without you dealing with the disconnects in your relationship. And this all happens because of the love of God. And I'm going to conclude with 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8. The Bible says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. That he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him this is love not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins dear friends since God has loved us we also ought to love one another none of this works without us beginning to understand the love of God none of this works without us understanding that we have been so loved by our Heavenly Father. That we've been so cared for. And the love that we have, love we've received, that we need to give. What would happen if we treated the people around us like God treats us? That's the standard. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't hold our past against us? Aren't you thankful that every time we come to Him, He doesn't say, well, I'd listen to you, but remember that mistake you made in 1973? Get away from me. You don't have no business going in that church. Remember what you did three summers ago? No. God says he takes it and he throws it as far as the east is from the west. Why? Because he's such a loving, graceful. And you know, what would happen if we started taking the things that people do to us in our relationships and we say, you know what, I'm not holding it against you. I'm going to treat you like God has treated me. Just watch what God will do. 
in our lives. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just two simple challenges today. First of all, I want to challenge you to make a commitment. If you're married to one another, say we're going to talk, we're not going to walk. If you're, if you're not married, if you're in a relationship, or maybe you're not in a relationship right now, you're in that season of preparation just between you and God. Say, God, I'm making a commitment that this is, I'm going to get this area of relationships right. I'm not going to settle for anything that's not what you're calling me to. I'm not going to settle for anything in, in my relationships, but I'm going to do things by your grace the best that I know to do. And secondly, I want to challenge you to make a commitment to God. Say, God, I know that I cannot get this love thing right if I don't have a right relationship with you. If you're in this place and you say, I, I want to get this area of my life right, why don't you just raise up a hand just by saying, God, this is me. I'm here today. I'm ready to give this area of my life to you all over the house. In Jesus' name, awesome, awesome, awesome. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. God, you know exactly who was going to be here. God, you know exactly who needed to hear Lord, from your word today. I thank you for it. I pray that you would give us fresh grace for a brand new day, a brand new strength, a brand new hope. God, for the future. God, help us to commit to one another. Help us to have love that lasts. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to the message today. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Take a moment and email us your story at info at cityhills.com. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting cityhills.com and choosing the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope to see you soon at City Hills Church.